This is probably the most color I've worn in years. And we're heading into winter. Actually, yes. You all, he is wearing a fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> I really am. That is, you are lavender, you are green, you are red. And yeah. what you are giving me, 1997, cross I think colors. it's 92. Maybe 91. Mm. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground as well as most of my days. Welcome to your favorite true crime podcast, (laughs) Obsessed with Disappeared, where we have slowly but surely taken this train off the rails. And lost our minds. But you know what? It's fine because I feel like we're on par with the world right now. Yeah. Because I actually just think I helped a man with two prosthetic legs steal a nail polish from the Walgreens. It's a long story, but I'm pretty sure I was... You're an accomplice. I'm an accomplice to a crime. (laughs) (laughs) It all happened. And, and we're in the upside down. If you would like more of Joey and I, please join Who our does? Patreon. <laughs> really, at this point. Everyone just hit off. It was just a collective <laughs> off. Go to our website, obsessedwithdisappeared.com, and click on the Patreon link. And there you will find, like, over 100 episodes of all kinds of your favorite true crime shows. Everything from Evil Lives Here to Pink Collar Crimes which is the most fun, but it's all there. We love taking trips with you. You can get ad-free episodes. You can get bonuses. It's all kinds of great. And we have a lot more surprises coming your way, and we can't wait to share them with you. We sure do. And if you missed that other woman who used to go here, what was her name? Methuselah? Yeah. Yeah. If you missed her. (laughs) It was Connie. If you miss her, there's a whole backlog of her buffoonery with your buffoonery. I love you, Patrick. Go find it. Anyway, (laughs) on to the episode. Season 9, Episode 9, So Close to Home, tells the story of the disappearance of Ali Loitzer. A 16-year-old girl has everything going for her. Ali was always pretty fun-loving, energetic, and very creative. Until one day after school, she vanishes while heading to her job. This case begins and ends right there where she got off the bus. Allie had never walked to work before. Baffling leads steer the investigation in conflicting directions. If Jay was the last person that she had talked to, he would be the last person to see her. Brandon had burned a white truck just north of Spring. Human trafficking really does exist. Young girls are recruited through that underworld. Until a strange turn of events forces her parents into a perilous rescue mission for their daughter. You couldn't see anything. All you heard was gunfire. So here we are on Monday, April 26, 2010, in Spring, which is a suburb northwest of Houston. And y'all, it's 7 a.m. My question is this. Mm -hmm. When y'all wake up that early, do you just roll out of bed and say... So is that what y'all do? Is that what it's like? Why do you hate? I'm not a morning person, but why do you have such a hatred for morning people? Because they're too perky and they're too bubbly. Like there's something off there. Yeah. It's, it, it's of the occult. Did, it's demonic. Did someone hurt you in the morning? Well, don't, don't tug at that thread too hard. <laughs> yeah. Allie, as the 16-year-old prefers to be called, is starting another week of her sophomore year. I would always go in there and I would jiggle her. You know, I was like, Allie, it's time to get up. Allie never liked to wake up. She liked to sleep until the very last minutes. 
Allie rushes to get dressed in her signature style. Allie made quite a transition in her teenage years. Um, you know, there was a time where she kind of went through a real girly stage, and then she kind of found like a more rebellious stage almost. So Mama Joanne is here and she tells us that Alex was a typical teenager and wanted to sleep until the last minute. Same. You know you're getting old when... I wake Lola up and she's like, five more minutes, five more minutes. And I'm like, what's five more minutes going to do for you? (laughs) What's it going to do for you? It's not going to do shit for you. No, it's not. Because all you do is you stare at your ceiling and you do a little deduction of everything you can cut out of your morning routine (laughs) Ah. to get another five minutes sleep. And then by the time that five minutes rolls around, your alarm clock goes off with the five minutes that you spend thinking about how you're going to skip shaving your armpits that day. You've really thought about this. (laughs) It's true. Skip shaving my arm. Yeah, you're like, if I don't shave my arm, okay, if I don't shave my leg, okay, if I don't shower. Yeah. And you just cut things out. You're just, you know. You've just filled in a lot of blanks for me when I've met you at 10 a.m. Uh, for breakfast. So I, I hate it when they're named Papa John because I always call them I Papa know. and then it's Papa John and then I want to make a Papa John's joke, yeah. which is a subpar Domino's and I'm just not going to go there. Anyway, Dad John is here and he says that Allie was kind of going through like an emo phase. I know, which I feel like you're going through right now. Tell I, the, I, I haven't left it in 25 years. Yeah. I don't know what it actually is besides like wearing black and listening to Jimmy Eat World. Like, I don't really know what it is. Well, at this time in 2010, like the emo thing was like, it was still prevalent, but it was, yeah. you know, probably in the next couple years, it was going to be on its way out. But, you know, it's flat iron bangs. You flat iron your feelings and they're razor sharp across your eyebrows and yeah. you wear black eyeliner. Think Courtney Love. Yeah. Tell them what color your house is. It's black. And tell them what color the chairs you just painted are. Well, they're black. To that I say... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Gomez Adams. (laughs) But Allie loved eyeliner. And so now we learn that Mama Joanne and Dad John have been separated for two years. Live your lives. Do whatever is best for you. But they stay close. Score another one for the co-parents. Yeah, I mean, it's admirable if you can do it. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? So Mom Joanne is here, and she tells us that she has a son, Mason, from a previous relationship, but John has pretty much raised him as his own from the time he was a toddler. Yeah, and Allie and, and brother Mason, they, they were close. They fought like everybody did. I fought with my brothers. I know. Did you, you know, fight with your brothers? Oh, my God. But, like, I was thinking when she said that, she's like, they fought. What do we fight about? What were we fighting about? It's all territorial when you're a teenager. Yeah, it was like someone taking too long on Mario Brothers. We once played hide-and-go-seek with my brother, and we never went to seek him. (laughs) No, that was pretty mean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He came back like three hours later. He's like, guys. Oh, my God. How old was he? I don't know, three. You're a monster. I know. Allie was always pretty fun-loving. He was always uh, energetic. She played softball in her early teen years. You know, she did like uh, reading and books and stuff like that. And she really liked her art in high school. It was becoming a, a passion for her. Art was her favorite subject, of course. So I knew that she had dreams of furthering her art by going to college after high school to do something, you know, with her art skills. Also, Allie played softball and she was an artist. They show us her real art. Yeah, and they, I mean, we see home videos of her. She seems like your typical teenager, energetic and goofy. Honestly, she seems like somebody we would have been friends with in I high know, school. I know, say that all the time whenever yeah. there's somebody. But seriously, her art was like, some of it was really super good. bright and some of it was like pens. I am always in such awe of anybody who can draw because I've said my artwork at the best of times looks like I'm a drunk Jackson Pollock, but not on purpose. I mean, Jackson Pollock was 
probably pretty fucked up when he made those paintings. Well, I mean, he's, you know. There's cigarette butts in his paintings. I mean, sure, but he's Jackson Pollock, and I'm just a crazy lady putting cigarette butts in my paintings. <laughs> and they're like, ma'am, I'm sorry you can't do that in this Chili's. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got kicked out Are twice. Are you coming for my art? <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, also she was a singer. And we hear a clip of her singing. I mean, truly, like, somebody we would have hung out well, with. Well, they play this video of her singing, and the caption said, sustained note. And I was like, oh, I mean, I want to hear her singing. And then I was like, royalties. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. they, I, and then I remembered the Morgan Harrington episode when they she went to the Metallica concert <sighs> and they tried to play like heavy metal music that wasn't anywhere close to Metallica. I was it was like, like elevator music. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> Get wow, it, I this Metallica. <laughs> but they also say that she sang the Star Spangled Banner at a rodeo. Yeah. I mean, all in all. I like, wonder if it was her first one. Today, I hate you. Today, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here anymore with you. I'm sick of your shit. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm fucking sick of it. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> also, she recently had had started dating a guy uh, named DJ. He was a 16-year-old guy from her high school. And so, Allie had a lot going on. And her mom, you know, even Mama Joanne was like, DJ was a good kid. And so, back to that morning in April... Allie leaves her house at 7.30 a.m. to head to school. Hail Satan. And she took the school bus, which would pick her up at basically at the corner of the street, just down the street. Yeah, and around 2.30 that afternoon, Allie's back on the bus headed home. She calls her mother, Joanne, at work to let her know that she forgot her house keys. So Joanne calls her son, Mason, before he heads out to meet a friend. So I reminded Mason, I said, just when you leave, leave the door unlocked. Allie tells her mom that she'd like to stop at work at the burger barn before coming home. Allie was going to come home from school, get off the bus, and then walk up there to see if she can get her paycheck. Allie tells her mom that she wants to see if she can pick up a shift that afternoon. And then we find out she had a part-time job. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to go pick up my paycheck, and also maybe I can pick up a shift while I'm there. And mom Joanne was like, no, because... It's a 10-minute walk to the Burger Barn, and the street doesn't have a sidewalk. And I grew up on streets like that. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah, because we lived in the mountains. So there was no sidewalk. If you were walking, you were walking on the side of the street, and it is terrifying. Oh, so absolutely. Mama Joanne was oh, like, yeah. no, because she usually took her to and from her job. Well, she does what every teenager does. She begs, bargains, all of the things. Yeah. Until her mom was like, fine. But text me when you get there and let me know what's happening. So 5.30 that evening, Mama Joanne comes home and Allie's not there. She says, like, I wasn't really surprised. I was more annoyed that she didn't text me yeah, to let me know what was, was like, happening. She was like, I let you go work, and I told you to text me. Oh, great. Shock and surprise. You haven't done either one of those right. things. So Mama Joanne texts her and is like, hi, do you need yeah. a ride home from work? And she doesn't get a response. Right. And then she kind of comes to the conclusion. She's like, I mean, I guess if she's working, she doesn't have her phone on her. It's yeah. probably, like, in her locker or yeah. whatever. She's like, all right, fine. She's pissed and annoyed. I would be, too. Yeah. So just before 9 p.m., Mama Joanne is like, all right, this little shit. Because <laughs> kids are little shit. Yeah, of course they she, are. She, hasn't, she still hasn't heard from her, so she drives up to the burger barn. But when she gets there, it's closed. Yeah, so she goes from annoyed to worried. Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah, so she backtracked, and she's like, okay, so I don't think I've heard from her for over six hours. So she calls John 
Allie's dad pretty panicked. Now, John, we're going to learn, is pretty even keeled throughout yeah. a lot of this. And he's like, all right, maybe she got a ride. Maybe she went to a friend's house. Maybe her phone battery died. And down bitch Mama Joanne starts calling all of her friends. Yeah. She's like, well, let's see about that. And no one's heard from her. So then Mama Joanne drives to boyfriend DJ's house. DJ's like, wait, I haven't been able to get in touch with her. And so now they're like, shit. So she hops in her car. She's driving around searching for him. Gets home at 11 p.m. hoping Allie has returned. She hasn't. Yeah. Buckle up. Buckle the fuck up for the rest of this ride. This is the ride of your life. It's like Space Mountain, only with an even longer line. So she calls the police. Now, we've had this before. I can't remember what episode, but somebody from the constable's office shows up. And once again, I have to Google what constable is. And then I have to Google why we still use that term. And then I had to watch Mary Poppins for some reason. <laughs> why did I was thinking the same the thing? Constable's responsible. Yeah. Uh, what? I don't the know. The position has <laughs> been filled. Just before midnight, a patrol deputy from Precinct 4 of the Harris County Constable's Office arrives at Joanne's. Allie's dad has also shown up to help. She just had a little piece of paper that she wrote our names down with our phone numbers. The Loitzers described their daughter and the circumstances of her disappearance. She's like, well, are you, are you sure y'all didn't have a fight and she took off? She just kind of took a quick little report and said, she'll be fine. She'll be back soon. Call us in the morning when, when she comes home. So she takes a look around and she's like, you know, she's probably just gone. She'll be back in the morning. And so Mama Joanne is like, what if she doesn't come back in the morning? She's like, then just call us. I would turn into Minnie from The Help yeah. and say, eat my shit. How can you look two parents in the face and be so flippant and be like, well, just call us in the morning? Yeah. What? And she like doodles on her little etch-a-sketch with her fake like constable hat and leaves. Like, you don't have a real job anyway. Yeah. Because I don't know what a fucking constable is. <laughs> and also, good luck with your project. And Mama Joanne is like... Cool advice. That's like as about as good as a condom to a fucking nun. What do I need with that kind of advice? And she's like, okay, I guess I'll just sit here and wait all night. Now, listen, even if you're not a parent, like, imagine the feeling of being worried about anything, about anything. And someone being like, I mean, call us in the morning. Yeah. Who sleeps about anything? It doesn't even have to be a missing loved one. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, yes, teenagers can be rebellious and they, and they can do all kinds of things. But, like, this is your job. This is literally yeah. your job. And if a child, because technically she is a child, is missing, yeah. go search for the child. You know, some people, some people say that, like, I've gotten more emotional as this podcast has gone on. I was like, well, people keep doing stupid shit. What are you, you going to do? You're yanking my chain I and mean, you're fucking with me. What am I supposed to do? So... How, how do you expect this family to sleep at night? They don't. No. So they stay up all night thinking of every possibility. You Brother know, Mason's out driving with friends. Dad John is trying to call Mama Joanne. You know, and, and he's, again, maybe she's being rebellious. Maybe she's staying out. You know, thinking of all of these things. And Mama Joanne's like, cool, I guess I'll just watch the sunrise. Yeah, and she does. And at 5 a.m., Allie's still not there. At 9 a.m., her parents, Joanne and John, call police a second time adamant that their daughter is a missing person. They spent a lot of time trying to convince us that Allie was a runaway, and we spent just as much time trying to convince them that she wasn't, because we know our daughter. 
If she was going to leave this house of her own free will, then I would definitely notice things missing. I mean, especially her makeup, her cell phone charger, her money, of all things. And they're saying she's not a fucking runaway. If she ran away, she's really bad at it because she left all of her shit behind, including her cash. Yeah. And they were like, nah, nah, nah. She's run away. Trust us. They're like, we've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. She's a runaway. It was a horse. It was a mule. It was a horse. <laughs> it was a mule. Like, they're going back and forth. Now, I'm just going to throw something out there. I know I get super crazy uh-huh. and I get super emotional about okay. things. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just saying for like five seconds, can we just like listen when a loved one is like, I'm fairly certain they didn't run away. She didn't have money. She didn't have her phone charger. She didn't have her clothes. She didn't have her stuff. Nothing was touched. It appeared that she had just, I don't know, gone to school that day. Yeah. Well, they weren't trying to hear it. And I don't know why there was such a reluctance on the police department's end to take it seriously. But the parents, let me tell you something. They are DBs with a minor end. Go and fuck yourself. Because they went and started doing the legwork themselves. They wouldn't. The police not only said, no, 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 calm down, lady. Don't get so heated. She's a runaway. They flat out wouldn't take a missing person's report. Now, listen, I know I'm just a stupid podcaster with a great rack, but still, all (laughs) I'm saying is, like, what else are you doing? Yeah. What, What? I need somebody from the other side to balance my rage. Yeah. I need someone to explain it. I need... For someone to say, like, oh, right, this is part of the job. Like, they flat out denied them. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't even imagine being one of those parents and having to listen to that. Well, but listen, they were like, I'm not waiting for you, idiots. So John and Joanne decide to do some investigating of their own. So John tracks down the school bus company. Fortunately, they had cameras on the bus, and they showed me footage from the time that she walked out of the school to the time that she got on the bus all the way through the whole route to the bus stop where she got off. So I was able to validate that she was on the bus the whole time. Timestamps and everything. So they're able to actually obtain footage that shows Allie getting on the bus, riding it to her stop, and getting off at her stop. Also on that footage is there are two boys that get off of that same stop with Allie. Right. So everything that they think their timeline is, that Allie was going to the burger barn, all of that, is absolutely true. So they're like, fuck off. She didn't run away. I still don't understand why they couldn't just... I'm not... I'm genuinely not trying to be an asshole. I mean, I'm always an asshole, but I'm just trying to say... But you're my asshole. I know. I'm just saying, what is the harm in just being a little safer than sorry? Well, I I mean, it just sounds super lazy is what it sounds like. Or it is just pure arrogance. Yeah, so those guys, Dad John was like, oh, you know what? Those are our neighbors. Yeah. We know them. Let's go ask them. So then they asked the boys and the boys were like, yeah, I mean, we walked to our house, our neighborhood, and she walked the opposite direction, the direction of the burger barn. Yeah. That was the 10-minute walk away. So now Papa John goes to the burger barn to talk to the owner, but here's what they find out. Allie actually never made it to the burger barn because she didn't pick up her paycheck. Yeah. Then he notices, okay, gas station is on the corner, and Papa John walks over there to see if they've caught anything on camera. Right. Now, remember our rule. If you don't have surveillance footage, you're fined a million dollars. <laughs> By us. We will, we will send you a bill. Write us a check. They did have surveillance footage. Yeah. But Allie was on none of it. Yep. She never showed up. So now they could confirm 
Allie never made it to work. So if you fell asleep, if you left the room for a minute, if you had your garbage disposal running while we were talking, I'm going to backtrack. The police still are not involved. By now, more than 24 hours have passed since anyone has seen or heard from Allie Lowitzer. Her parents have left numerous voicemails and texts, but they've all gone unanswered. Then, her mother Joanne remembers something crucial. AT&T had what was called a family map, like a GPS tracking, where you can look on a map and it'll tell you exactly, you know, where you are on the map. And the last place it showed Allie was right here, just on the outskirts of the neighborhood. And the last place it showed Allie was just right on the outskirts of their neighborhood. I mean, that's actually really terrifying. Yeah, yeah. So that means that she didn't get far. Yeah. So we fast forward now to a week later, and we're on Monday, May 3rd. Yeah, if you're keeping track, she went missing the last Monday. Yep. Uh, I know you. everyone says we yell too much on this podcast, but tell me another way to react. It's just like, so frustrating. What am I supposed to do? Like, if you were in my position and you were recapping this story, like, would other people just be, like, keeping their wits about them? I know. Like, I mean, you listen, yell too much. Yeah. Like, well, what would you be doing right now? Listen, you and I are very empathetic people. We care about people. And it's very hard to see all of this unfold or hear about it all unfolding. This is a complete lack of empathy. Well, it gets worse because yeah. I want everyone to let out a collective scream wherever you are in the world when you hear this. Yeah. On Monday, May 3rd, She's been missing for a week when John and Joanne give deputies from the local constable's office all the information they've gathered, including the security footage from the school bus and the gas station. Although police still classify Allie as a runaway, they head back to the Lowitzer home for another look around. The police still have Allie labeled as a runaway. Yeah, and so this poor family has been Carmen San Diegoing it all around their yep. fucking town, and they're like, yeah, well, still a runaway. Tell you what I'm going to do for you. You know what I'm going to do for you? We're going to mosey on over to your house. And I did say mosey because we are in Texas. We're going to mosey in your house. We'll have another look-see around. A gander. Let, let's just have a look-see, all right? Calm down, little lady. I'll put on some gloves. Yeah. It'll be a fucking blast in a hoot. My secretary, Wilma, will make you some sweet tea, <laughs> won't you, darling? Yeah. Wilma, make the uh, sweet tea for these people. What's your secret, Wilma? It's honey. I'll bet you it's honey. Is it honey? <laughs> yes, right, honey. <laughs> anyway, 20 years she's been my secretary. She never told me. Anyway, so we'll go have a little scoop. A gander. A gander. And then we'll just nod our heads a bit and we'll still call her a runaway. (laughs) And truly, that's what they did. It's so fucked up. So, I mean, here's the thing. They check out a room. They stumble across her journals. My worst fucking nightmare. (laughs) Every time it happens, I'm like, no. I know. And one of her entries talked about running away. And the parents are like, she wasn't going to run away. What a kid says in their journal isn't something you can... Yeah. You can't put 100% stock Confirmation into that. Confirmation bias right there. It's like, yeah. She also wrote 100 other pages about her fucking eyeliner and, right. you know, some emo band Well, that these cops loves. had already made up their mind. Also, like, how many... Did you ever think of running away when you were a kid? Yeah. All I, the time. Yeah, we talked about this. I made it to the end of my yeah. driveway. I literally tried to disappear myself like 12 hours ago. 
It happens. But I could never disappear myself because I couldn't stay off social media. This is true. I'd be like, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you pesky Instagram followers. <laughs> so, okay, this is when we meet Detective Christopher Cook of the Harris County Sheriff's Office. He was put on this planet to piss me off. Mm. That's it. Here we go. She had no history of being a runaway. A runaway is someone who, in my opinion and from my experience, separates themselves fairly well from home, and the intent is to be gone more than just a few hours. For a 16-year-old girl to leave her whole life behind, all of her clothes, all of her money, cell phone, stuffed animals, anything that was near and dear to her, her journals even, for a girl to leave all of that behind, that's not right. Again, if she was running away, why would she leave all of her belongings behind? Literally cash, journals, clothes, all of it. She left it all. Phone charger. Yeah. I don't leave the house without a phone charger. So they're like, okay, okay, everyone Mm -hmm. calm your tits, all right? This is what we're going to do. We're going to change the status from runaway to endangered runaway. You know, like them polar bears. (laughs) All right? Is that going to make you happy? And the tea. Don't forget the tea from Wilma. And you don't have to thank us. You don't have to thank us. Why are we? gatekeeping police work. Why are we not just going full balls to the wall at all time? Like, isn't everyone who's missing kind of like endangered? The definition of endangered runaway is a child under the age of 18 who is missing on his or her own accord and whose whereabouts are unknown to their parents or legal guardian. Also, you don't have any proof that she left on her own accord. Endangered? You're just adding fancy adjectives to runaway. Yes, Make her exactly. a missing fucking She's a, person. Well, exactly, but that's that's the thing. Like, okay, I don't understand. Two plus two equals four, right? I'm not nuts. Yeah. She didn't take anything with her. They are gaslighting the fuck she out of this She didn't take family. her cash. You gotta have money. Yeah. She didn't even make it to work to pick up her paycheck. Wouldn't she want her paycheck before she ran away? I mean, honestly, I had to check if their last name was Ringling because it's a fucking circus. Well, and truly. I don't want any part of it. In the days that follow, the Loitzers enlist the help of the Laura Recovery Center an organization that tries to find missing and abducted children. For me, it was a lifesaver because they seemed to really care that Allie was missing. We started becoming a little more organized, made an official flyer for Allie, and I'd printed off hundreds of pages. The family offers a reward of $25,000 to anyone with pertinent information. They helped them flyer, get the word out to the media. They were a lifeline. They helped them organize funds to get a reward. And despite the cops, I literally have chills all over my arms. Despite the cops, the community rallied behind them. $25,000 reward they were able to put out there. And so they organized searches. Uh, it's, It's full of volunteers. It gets media attention. So much so that by late May, Allie's case is finally transferred to the Harris County Sheriff's Office. Right. And they're like, how can we help you? So my question Mm -hmm. was why the constable's office in spring would not even take a missing persons report for three weeks. But when it went to the Harris County Sheriff's Department, they did make her a missing person. Well, I called them. Ah, Yes, you did. And I have quite a history with calling police departments. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't. Yeah, I can't. She stood on hold for a long time and she talked to a nasty woman named Shelby. Uh Uh-oh. And then the captain called me back. And for the first time in Obsessed with Disappeared History, Uh they wouldn't tell me anything. Nothing? Nothing. 
they wouldn't tell me why that they wouldn't label her a missing person. They wouldn't tell me why they insisted that she was a runaway. They wouldn't tell me anything. Why do you think that is without getting a suit? I Anything I would say would get us sued. Great. Yeah. Uh, Don't okay. bitches know what's up. They gotcha. know what's up. Now, the family is like, great, you're going to help us? Here's everything we have. And the, the sheriff's department has to play a massive game of catch up. Yeah. With all the information that they've acquired over the past three weeks because they've been like detectives themselves. Yes. Right? So very quickly, the family has detectives who are, their focus is homicide. They're all over the case. But here's the thing. They start doing a deep dive into the family, which is totally normal. They brought Papa John in for interrogation, and they kept him there for hours. And it was very invasive. The questions. John didn't even want to tell me some of the questions because he knew it would upset me. What do you know? Who do you know? Where were you? Everything about it, you know. They actually asked me, do you believe that Allie's dead? How, as a father of the missing child, do you answer something like that? It's like, what the fuck? Like, why would you ask a scared parent that, you know? I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to play your favorite devil's advocate. I understand that there has to be hard-hitting questions and that they have to, they have to be, you know, make everyone a suspect who's close to Allie. However, there's got to be some level of sensitivity. Two parents whose daughter they haven't seen in three weeks, and they have been the ones who've been like, find our daughter, find our daughter. Unless you have a reasonable cause, I think you can lighten up a little bit on the line of questioning. Yeah. This is also something Papa John had to tell the police that since he and Joanne had gotten separated a couple years prior, Allie had been very angry with him. And then this man with tears in his eyes is like, we were finally getting over the hump when all of this happened. Yeah, yeah and that happens. I am- a, It's complicated. I am a child of divorce. I have been divorced. It's never easy. It's nuanced. It's private. And when you're 16, your emotions are so complicated, just being 16. Yeah. And then adding the complicated emotions of divorce and everything that comes with that, of course she was upset. And of course he wanted to mend that. And everybody's relationship ebb and flow. I mean, not to make you cry in the booth, but look what happened with your dad. Yeah. Like right before he passed, like by some grace did you guys have, but things ebb and flow in families all the time. All the time. And this man crying broke my heart. Yeah, same. It was so sad. And so It's like a switch goes off with the Harris County police because then Christopher tells us... Now they have the full attention of Harris County homicide detectives. And to that I say welcome and thank you and what took you so fucking long. What took you you. so long? You know, they look into Brother Mason. They interrogated him, you know, asked for his alibi. And, you know, he was waiting to let her in. Remember, she forgot her keys. And then they asked them both to take a poly, Dad John and Brother Mason. I know how much you love those. I mean, yeah, so dumb. So both of them passed the polys, but they only cleared Papa John of suspicion, not Brother Mason. And Mason struggled really hard with this and then eventually just refused to speak. He wouldn't speak about, um, speak to the media or detectives about his sister's disappearance. I mean, the boy was probably traumatized by that interrogation. Yeah. So now they focus on cell phone records and investigators get a clue. And so Mama Joanne was not the last person that she spoke to. At 2.50 p.m., she texted a friend, an older guy named Jay. Of course, it's a Jay. (laughs) 
So they go to talk to Jay and they ask him questions and he's like, yeah, we had texted, but we never met up. And they also say that he had an alibi, but he says. And alibi was, we did have one. They say he has an alibi. And I was ready to like write in my notes. Right. And then they just cut away to a windmill. Like, they don't tell us what the alibi is. It's not just any windmill. It's a Texas windmill. Did you see it? (laughs) ID was like, we are indeed in the heart of Texas. Look at this windmill. Congrats, Texas. You have windmills and apparently your own energy grid. But anyway. Well, your windmills got splinters in them. But obviously, the family had a lot of questions. So did detectives. But yes, they were able to clear him for reasons we don't know. Yeah, He had an alibi. Weeks turned to months. The ground searches stop. The news stories slow down, and Allie's investigation goes cold. The Lowitzers still have a private investigator working the case, who they had hired in the first few weeks when police weren't actively looking for Allie. Two years after Allie's disappearance, the private investigator takes note of a recent and highly publicized brutal crime that he thinks could have direct ties to Allie's disappearance. We're at August 17th, 2012, and we're about 250 miles away. And a disgusting man who looks like he smells like dog breath mm-hmm. named Brandon Laverne pled guilty to murdering a woman named Mickey Shunick from Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette. What is it? Lafayette, Louisiana. What'd I say? Lafayette. Okay, I have a Lafayette where I'm from, and it's called Lafayette. I didn't want to fight with you. But I'm it just... is. It's Lafayette, California. Well, it's Lafayette, Louisiana. And they talk like this. Woosha, welcome to Lafayette. They talk like this is Cajun country in Lafayette. Okay, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you why I'm right. All right, well, thank you. That's our episode. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm the lucky man. Patrick. <laughs> Let me just call Patrick real fast. (laughs) HR. So this crusty ass sideswiped this girl while she was on her bike and then like got out of his truck and offered to help her. And then she ended up putting her bike in the bed of the truck. She got in his truck and sadly somewhere shortly after he ended her life. And so something that's important here is Brandon drove a white pickup truck. So the Lowitzer's private investigator remembered that a witness had seen a young woman who fit Allie's description speaking to a man on the side of the road in a white truck. And that horse nugget ass chunk face yeah. had family in the area, but he denies it all. Okay. And also that road that they saw this happen led to the burger bar. Right. So it turns out he was out of state in Louisiana. He wasn't in that area. So I guess he didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. They could confirm his alibi, but it's it was wild. They found his truck burned up 50 miles from Allie's hometown. It was very weird. Yeah. So the family is simultaneously really sad, yeah. but also relieved. Right. And the down bitch of the episode, Amber Canock. Uh-huh. A new PI is brought onto the case. Uh, This this one's going to knock your socks off. Amber was the only one that was really looking for an alive alley. And she was basically the first one to come up with maybe Allie was kidnapped and is being trafficked. The I-10 interstate, two international airports, and a massive port all converge in the Houston area, making it one of the largest hubs for human trafficking in the nation. Traffickers typically groom their victims first. 
She thought that perhaps Allie had been kidnapped and was a victim of trafficking. Yeah. Now, Texas is a border state. Uh, Spring, Texas, where they lived, is near I-10. It's a massive port. Also, something I did not know... Houston has a huge human trafficking problem. I did not know that. Yeah. And so then that weird detective that I don't really like says this. Well, human trafficking really does exist. I mean, there's no joke about that. Who jokes about that? Sir, no one was joking about human trafficking, nor would we ever joke about that. Yeah, you good, bro? Yeah, like, is everything okay? Like, literally no one was saying anything. He's like, and there's no joke about that. I'm like, correct. Right, Right. thank you. The sky is blue, grass is green. Oh, goodness, zip it, sir, before I break your hip. Something to keep in mind, too, is Allie's phone was shut off at 2.54 p.m. That's 10 minutes after Allie got off the bus. So Papa John believes that if this is the case, if she was kidnapped, if she was trafficked, it was probably by somebody who knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it happened very quickly. Yeah. So it's October 2012, and they get a call from someone in Columbus, Ohio, that says that they swore they saw Allie at a church function. And so down bitch Amber goes to Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, drugs and sex trafficking are also a huge issue in Columbus, Ohio. And she teams up with the police department and she's like, send me undercover. I will go on the streets and I will find out if Allie is fucking here. Yeah. And we should say, too, that at this church function, it was specifically for people experiencing homelessness. And this woman observed that the woman who looked like Allie, it seemed like she was being quieted, Mm -hmm. like she was scared to speak. Yeah. So big red flags. Now, Amber is here. Within days, she develops a working relationship with the Columbus Police Department. She even starts going undercover for them. And so I pretty much started living on double life. Gaining the trust of everybody on the streets, we could find the underage girls. My goal and my motive was just to find Ali. Over a period of four weeks, Kamek poses as a street person who's looking to sell sex or buy drugs. Once she senses she's been accepted, she starts asking questions about Ali. So for over the next four weeks, Amber is posing as a sex worker and sometimes as a person who was looking to buy drugs. Yeah. That's wild. She's And dangerous. dangerous. And so she meets another undercover officer and neither one of them tell them it's an undercover officer. It's like when you're invited to like a party and you don't know if everyone's invited and you're like, what are you doing on Sunday? Nothing. What are you doing on Sunday? Nothing. And then you're both at the party. It was like that. And so he's posing as a pedophile. I know. But listen, they're doing work because they're getting answers from people who will give it. And there's no way they can do besides infiltrate like that. It's like that episode uh, that where we covered Zachary Burns. Bernhardt's disappearance, where there was a cop who had to literally infiltrate into a pedophilia underground world and literally was going in a car hunting for children with a man who planned on murdering a child that night. Yeah. What? You got to do it. You have to find out the answer. So she asks this fake undercover cop, do you know this woman? And he goes, yeah, that's Alley Cat. I knew she was from Texas, but I didn't know she was missing. And the family did call her Alley Cat. Yeah. So, I mean, that is wild. Yeah. Now I have chills. So fast forward to late November 2012. Columbus police tell private investigator Amber to talk to a sex worker named Amy. Columbus police steer Kamek to a prostitute named Amy who works with detectives as an informant. Kamek shows Amy a photo of Allie Lowitzer. Do you know this girl? They're like, yeah, that's Allie. She was able to give some, you know, personal details. Amy recalls a scar on Allie's forehead, 
and also refers to her as Alley Cat. And Amy says, yeah, that's Alley. That's Alley Cat. She has a scar on her forehead, and her nickname is Alley Cat. Yeah. So they offer her money to take her to Alley, and Amy was like, yeah, let's go. So... <laughs> I cannot believe down bitch Amber. So she's like, I had prescription drugs to bribe people. I had money to bribe people. Provided by the cop. Yeah. She, uh, she, I can't. I mean, that is dangerous. If someone found out who she was, not only would her life be in danger, so would Allie if it's potentially Allie there. You know, she's putting everybody's life in danger. Yeah, there are so many ways it could go wrong. Yeah. So she goes into this home, this like, trafficking it, it's home. It's a crack house. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know the rules. I've lost track of they all refer, the rules. They do refer to it on the episode as a crack house. I'm going to get emails. Right. I'm going to get letters. Right. But well, that is what they call it. it is, it's a place where human trafficking happens, drug deals go. It's not a place you want to be. No. But Amber is there. She is going in there and she walks through, but obviously she's got to keep her cover as the sex worker, Amber, and she sees a girl who she's almost positive is Allie. Yeah, but she couldn't get to her for, you know, a myriad of reasons. You know what I mean? And so she ends up flying back to Texas, tells the family what she knows, including the nickname Alley Cat, which Mama Joanne confirmed that's her nickname. Mm -hmm. So also it turns out that Allie did have a scar between her eyes from chicken pox. So the family is convinced. Yeah. And Papa John and Mama Joanne fly to Columbus with Amber to try to retrieve Allie. In Columbus, Kamek introduces John and Joanne to Amy. Together, they devise a strategy to rescue Allie from the brothel. The game plan at that time was to try to buy her back. But they will need help. Kamek brings her findings back to the detectives she's been working with over the past few months. It's enough to get a warrant and backup from police. The Lowitzers return to Texas while Amber stays and prepares for her mission. Yeah, so they come up with a game plan, and Amber goes back to the detective to get a warrant for this schmack-schmouse. I mean, just say crack house until we can't say it. Someone's going to write me a letter. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a house where people sell and do crack. Okay. (laughs) Don't make that So they have a warrant, and... Joanne and John are like, okay, I mean, like, we can't stay here and do this with you. No. They're not going to, what are they going to do, spin their wheels in Columbus no. and go to every Bennigan's they can find? No. They're going to go home to Texas and wait, poor things. So they go to carry out this operation. Down bitch Amber goes in with a wire and she's posed as a madam. She is. And she's got the SWAT team behind her because she had gone to the Columbus police and said, here's everything I have, all the reasons why you should help me out. And they were like, sounds good to us. Yeah. So yeah, they're like waiting around the corner and they told her, if you hear a knock, like anything that sounds like we're about to come in there and we'll probably knock, get to the ground and do not get up. And so she goes in there because she's wired. The SWAT team can hear confirmation that there's a deal being made because what they were going to try to do, which well, essentially they were going to try to buy Allie back. Right. So they hear the deal, the confirmation, and they raid that house. And there is gunfire. They're horrifying. Yeah. So the SWAT team comes in. They make arrests. They get the drugs. They get the weapons. They save eight women who have been trafficked. Allie wasn't one of them. No. It's really, really, really sad. And Amber, it says this with so much, I can't stop getting chills. I already knew she wasn't there because we had gone through all the houses. I didn't see her. 
Kamek still thinks she saw Allie in this same house the month before, but that her captors may have been tipped off before authorities arrived on the scene. These human traffickers, they get wind of the police before the police even hit the neighborhood and go driving in. They had switched up all the girls in the houses. She was absolutely there when she was there the last time, and they move young women around. Well, she said it was all different women than what she had seen before. Yeah. And, and it's her job to notice all that. Yeah. So I do believe her. And so obviously the news is crushing to the family. And Mama Joanne in particular, well, she's here just devastated. How could she be? And, and what's sad is like another five years pass, there's no new leads, and the Lowitzers, they're just heartbroken. Yeah, and so... You know, they run her fingerprints through a criminal database. And in a shocking turn of audacity, that detective that I don't like was like, well, I'm not sure about everything that Amber did. I was like, well, guess what she did? She dressed up as a sex worker, put her fucking life on the line to find this young girl. And the only thing you all did was not take her missing persons report for three weeks and then dick around with the information that the family already got for you. So I'm going to say Amber's Pretty high in regard in my fucking book. Agreed. Choke on a donut. Yeah. What they were going on was that if she had been trafficked with no foundation of evidence that she had been trafficked, that something would have happened. She would have, her prints would show up somewhere in the form of shoplifting or forging a check or something would have leaked. So I I think this guy cracked the case. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Detective Know-It-All is here. He he figured it out. Yeah, can we get get Hagrid in here? Yeah. Because you're a wizard, Ari. Yeah, so. Everything is at a standstill. And we get the heartbreaking final thoughts from the family, you know, just about how hurt they are and how that last image, that haunting last image of her on the bus is the only thing they have to go on, you know? And as a parent, I'm not saying I feel more than you. I'm not saying that. But as a parent, I tell Lola all the time, my only job is to protect her. Yeah. I say that to her all the time. It's usually when she's like complaining about me not letting her go somewhere or do something and she calls me overprotective and I say, my only job is to protect you. Yeah. And they kind of speak to this because when you are a parent and that is the only thing you have to do, you know, that old adage, you had one job and you feel like you haven't done that. And these parents are just both breaking down. And that heartbreak of knowing that you failed, of course they didn't fail, but in their mind, they did not protect their daughter. Of course they did nothing wrong. She was getting off the fucking school bus. No, and I I, I keep thinking actually about Mama Joanne and how many times she's been like, if I should have just said, no, you can't go. Yeah. Uh, You can't, you can't do that. No, you're you're not a psychic. You have to let your kids, where is that line between giving your kids some personal space, allowing them to do things like take the bus, walk to school, walk here, and then knowing when you have to, no, you can't walk at night. Those boundaries are crazy again we were fucking crazy kids oh absolutely i did i would never let lola do a million years same and so i put myself in wild wildly inappropriate situations knowing 
that it was wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, and also, nobody wants to instill fear. You don't want your kids to be afraid of the world. But you also do want them to be cautious. I know. It's this weird it's, fucking... I, I know. I dance the line all the time. I have so much fear, and I don't want to impart that onto yeah. Lola. But I do want her to know the world is a scary fucking place. Mama Joanne, I wish you were here because I, I would give I would... you a big hug. So, ordinarily, this is when I would give you the number for a police station to call because this case is still open. But... You know what? Mama Joanne has a website. Yeah. And she has done way more for this case and this baby girl than anyone. So if you know anything about this case, I would rather you go there. Just because those people have badges does not mean they have done their work. Slide into my DMs if you feel like getting dragged by me for five seconds. So if you do know anything about the disappearance of Allie Lowitzer, please contact www.alexandria.com. L-O-W-I-T-Z-E-R dot com. That is the best way to get in touch with that family who has worked tirelessly. I'm so sorry. They worked harder than anybody in this episode. And uh, you're not going to come for me. Say something funny. Well, I didn't want to mention this earlier, but I have decided to paint my kitchen black. Okay. But the good news is my salmon caraway pots are going to (laughs) look fabulous against all that black. You do love those salmon pots. I love them. You are gayer than a bar mitzvah. But you know, I'd love to take one of these salmon pots and hit those police over the head with them. Don't worry about it because by the time you hear this, Joey and I will have been out with our favorite police officer, Anthony Rykowski. We know there's a couple good ones out there, but I'm sorry, they did not do right by this family. No, they did not. Not not, not for a moment. I would burn it. I would burn it down. Where is she down, bitches? We love you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on social media. Tell them where they can find us, Joseph. Well, you can find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. You can find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Marsh. You can find me at It's Joey Taranto. You can also find us on the TikTok at Obsessed with Disappeared. It's Obsessed with Disappeared. And find us at Obsessed with Disappeared. And the Facebook group is called the Obsessed with Disappeared Facebook Discussion Group. The Obsessed no, that's with, with Disappeared, Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Facebook Discussion Group. Ah, fuck it. Okay, anyway. Find you know us- where to find it if you don't at this point. What the shit are you doing? Find us there and uh, we will be coming back to you with new Patreon news. So if you want to join our Patreon, that is where we get all of our bonus content. You are going to get Three added episodes and a secret new thing, plus ad-free episodes and a bunch of more content. Just go to our Patreon link on our website and come hang out with us for one more week if you so choose. We do appreciate your ears. We appreciate you. We appreciate your love. We appreciate your DMs. We appreciate you so much. What? We do. And oh, oh, oh. We are going to have a merch drop before the holidays. Oh, yeah, and baby. And if you're on the Patreon, you get first crack at it. Yeah, baby. And uh, keep your eye out for some tour days. We love you. We love you so much. Bye. Bye. Is it April 26, 2010? Yep. You're doing great. You're off to a great start. <sighs> I'm, a, I'm a lucky guy. Do you know where you are right now? You, can you remember your birthday? How many fingers am I holding up? You good? I smell toast. <laughs> and the Lowitzer's private, in- private investigator remembered that a white... 
remembered that there was a, a why are you making that face? No reason. What? No reason. What am I doing? You just keep stumbling I know. Work. I can't help it. We're recording at 1030 at night. Okay. So, chilling out, Max, and relaxing, all cooling, all shooting some people outside of the school with a couple of guys who were up to no good. Started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got a one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle and Ellen. Yeah, that was good. Okay. Shut up, Ellen. <laughs> they could rob her. <laughs> Yeah, babe. <laughs> they could say you're not one of us and then go inside and watch Golden Girls. Cut that off. <laughs> so, I'm stuck on <laughs> nuns and condoms. It's just, uh, it's like pointless. I just see fucking Mary Pot, not Mary, I just see uh, Maria Von Trapp in fucking Sound of Music with a condom going. Anyway, a flippity gibbet. <laughs> <laughs>